What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me once again. Ooh, I'm jacked up on coffee right now. Mm. Uh, I hope everybody had a good one. I hope everyone is having a, uh, a warm April so far. I know we had some rain today and uh, pretty much the rest of the week. Yeah, it kind of sucks. But it's getting warmer. It's getting drier. It's getting sunnier. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait to hit the field. It's going to be awesome. Um, make sure you guys hit up this new park that is being built. Big shout out to Good Game Sports Park that is being built right now in the St. Louis area for an opening in the summer of 2022. That's coming up soon. Dustin is on it. Um, it's a premier sports park that is 40 acres and integrates esports themes with paintball. So you're going to have like uh, Call of Duty fields, you're going to have uh, all kinds of different esports themed paintball fields and it's going to be all in one place for you it, this place is going to be awesome i was talking to dustin about it and i saw the plans and I, he is just making it come to fruition and uh and it's so cool to see the uh the it will also feature 10 man size turf act ball fields for five seven and ten man uh they will also be used for mechanical fields as well uh, Good Game Sports Park is partnering with Iconic Paintball on a regular column to share tips for future field owners as well. So what Dustin and Quinn are doing is they are going to be releasing like this this blog that is going to continually uh, see the progress and go over the progress of the field and give help and tips to people who are you know trying to start that themselves. Um, you know, because new, we need new fields and we need fields to flourish. And uh, Dustin is doing it in all the right ways. And he wants to share, which is uh, amazing for everybody. So um, if you have any questions or comments or you just want to follow the park and the progress in general, you can go ahead and give them a follow on GG Sports Park on Facebook and Instagram. And you will see everything going on. So make sure you give them a like and uh, follow the building of a brand new field down there. It's going to be amazing. I'm probably going to be down there for the uh, for the grand opening. I don't know when that's going to be exactly, but uh, he's kind of aiming for the summer of 2022. So keep an eye out. And if you guys out there, if you have purchased one of the H2K markers, thank you so much. We plan on making uh, a ton more private label batches and and products as well but if you head over to h2kpaintball.com you can see uh, everything we have going on there along with our store which has shirts hats uh, we're, we're constantly putting up product in there along with our small batch uh, paintball products and we have others on the way it's going to be awesome we're trying to grow and uh, all of you out there have been super supportive and it uh, means the world and you know we just want to give back and we want feedback and we're doing a beta program with products we're just trying to involve y'all and uh, you, you guys are the one that, that are going to help us uh, give you what you want and we're just trying to make cool shit 
we should put we should make that a shirt just trying to make cool shit and uh that's that's the plan you know we want to we want to solve practical paintball problems that we've seen uh, from day one and we just want to try and uh you know try and put our two cents in and uh and help the paintball community out uh while growing so that's the plan uh h2kpaintball.com and you can also find us on instagram and facebook so that's our ads for today uh, i have wanted to sit down with this gentleman for a while he's intimidating he is a st- stressful situation on the paintball field because you know he's just he's on his game all the time and he's man when he's on he's on um mike hinman has been somebody in the game that i not not just as a player but even as a coach and a mentor has been such a huge part and an integral part of some of the best paintball players in the world their careers and their beginnings and their their whole take on the paintball side of their life has been uh, has been due to Mike Hinman, and what he's done with af- the aftermath program throughout the years with his career with uh, with with Dynasty and his coaching um, and his mindset has been something that I've admired and respected. Uh, since day one, since I met him, since I was competing against him, and um, and he has gone above and beyond what a a coach demands and needs out of his players, and it shows because the different iterations of aftermath and players that come through his camp uh, turn out to be you know world champs and some of the best players in the world, and it's it's proven time and time again, and uh, you know I can't say enough things about uh, how great this guy is for the paintball community and for so many uh, paintball careers throughout the years. And uh, I think it was great to sit down and chat with him, and uh, I had a wonderful time, and I can't wait to see him this year. So that's going uh, to be cool. So here it is. Here is the podcast with Mike Hinman. But, uh, dude, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. When you hit me up a long time ago about it, I was like, any day. Like, you know, there's a lot of new people that come into the sport that we don't really know. And there's guys like yourself or like Marcelo and them that have been doing this where you're like, man, those are just my friends. I'm glad to be able to jump on. And, you know, I think in an age full of like not real people, (laughs) like a lot of people like what I have to say when in all reality, what I'm saying isn't really anything special. It's just what real human beings that are passionate about paintball say if that makes sense like yeah absolutely and i think you know what i think not that what i think paintball is lacking in passion but i think what we tend to do is we rely so much on like uh rely on video rely on like the pictures rely on we we don't have as much personal interaction as i feel like we need as human beings and just as people to interact with each other we rely on so much technology to do that for us even though we think that like even though we're doing this, like this is obviously a lot better than a text or a phone call. I feel because I get to see your face, I get oh. to see your reactions, I kind of get to see, you know, how you react to things. Um, but there's so many people that are are fine with like throwing a comment on, and that's their interaction with the world. 
you know, totally. very one sided. There's not no retaliation. Anything via text or anything, it's hard to tell the infliction and the the emotion put into it. Yeah, the context. Like, there's right. no, there's just no context in it, and yeah, it makes it like makes it sound like an old conversation. Totally. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely, I agree with it. It's crazy uh, that where we came from, like when we started the magazines, there was so much content, videos, trauma head, dirter, all like really good gritty telling the story of how we got the dirt under our fingernails. And now it's just meh at best. <laughs> meh. Well, I, I like, I like that we still have uh, people out there pursuing like, wanting solid video content i'm not a big fan of like i like the raw stuff i think that's pretty cool i think that that's very close to like being out of practice or feeling what it's you know the the, the tension and everything at tournaments i can't stand the the barrel cam footage stuff i oh, it's just like it it annoys the shit out of me and i can't watch anytime anybody has a video and they're like it, it cuts the barrel cam i'm like fast forward fast forward fast I can't forward. <laughs> 10 seconds skip 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 <laughs> yeah. skip but um, but I'm I'm glad at least we have content makers out there still making content, still bringing the game, uh, you know, to the people who maybe can't necessarily go to the events or or play every weekend. They can at least consume. Um, I don't know if it's positive. I know it's I know that it's paintball, but I don't know if it's if it's better than actually getting out there and doing the work and 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 putting in the time and just being at the field, even if it is to just watch, to totally. consume, you know. I mean, it keeps people engaged in paintball, which is definitely good for us. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they, you know, hit the recycle button one more time and come out to the field and pick up a gun and have fun and find a better way to do it. Because, I mean, we talk about growing paintball. How about we just retain some of the people in paintball? Yeah. Like, that would help a ton, you know what I mean? Because, fuck it, new people. We have so many people that have played that due to stress, I mean, there's a lot of outside things, hmm. but the drama and the stress that comes along with the sport just drives people away, you know? Like, we got kids now, yeah. we have families, we have old ladies that were, like, trying to have multi-facets in our life, and when paintball just becomes too stressful, too much drama, too much effort, it's as easy, like, in life to just hit the stop button completely and not do it, when in all reality, it's more, let's just do it, like, you know, play 10-man events, mm -hmm. something more for fun, where we're not out there like in the full X ball 52 weekends a year grind. Cause it's just, we all got way other thing, other things, kids, stuff like that to do. Yeah. Kind of hard. Well, I think they call it a grind for a reason, right? I mean, it's, it's one, you're, you're out there grinding. You, you got your, your, uh, your heads down. You're just in the trenches, but at the same time, it's slowly in the back grinding away at your real life that you have that you have that you spend more doing than the thing that you're passionate about um except for you know a small portion of us that get to do that passion every single day for for work but um yeah i mean for me at least it was i had to do like complete stops like like i had to i had to cut paintball out just because it was consuming and it was starting to not be fun because it felt yeah. like it felt very repetitive. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't feel the passion that I did for it before, which to me, I felt like I was, I was putting the team that I was playing for in the back burner. And, and that I felt that was unfair to them. And that's more or less why, why I left. Cause I, I just, it just wasn't fully dedicated and, and in. 
Well, once you've been to the top of the mountain, you know what it takes to get to the top of the mountain and not putting that much in Mm -hmm. for those of us that are real people. Like you feel like you're cheating the system in the process, right? Like I can't half-ass this. It's either a hundred percent because a lot of us are pretty much extremists in one form of another, right? Like we are very extreme when we go in, we're going in all the way. You can't 50% this thing. It's either all or nothing. Well, that's because you know that's what it takes to win, right? I mean, that's that's exactly what the top teams and the top players, and that's the only thing that gets you to the top is that dedication and and that drive to be where you are. And you just you have to keep continually wanting and striving to outwork the team next to you, or or even your teammates for that matter. I mean, it's everybody's playing for a spot. You know you. You know, I thought about this as, you know, playing throughout the years and everything. You have these teammates, but at the same time, you're still playing for relevance on that team. I mean, you're oh, yeah. always constantly. And and I had these conversations a little bit with some of the players and some of the current players now. Um, and I wanted to ask you this because obviously you're in a, a high volume area of paintball players. Is Are we lacking an influx of like a newer generation of players coming into the league or is that just something? I think we're seeing it right now in the NXL. I think we're seeing it in the pro division. Like, you know, this off season of player acquisitions was very quiet. I mean, Archie made the move over to Dynasty, but you could also say he made the move back to Dynasty. Leaving X Factor was huge, but he had already played with the Dynasty guys before. Was that surprising to you? I mean, yeah, I was surprised, right? I mean, again, I'm. this is just me shooting it from the hip with no real care of collateral damage of what I have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Alex Martinez, of course it was surprising. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you know Alex. Like, tell me one person that doesn't like Alex Martinez. Dude, right? You can't. Like, because he's just, you know, he's a gentleman's gentleman. He's a good dude. He's a dude... In Honest. 15 years, maybe when I'm no longer in this sport and I'm heading through Dallas on the way to wherever I'm going in the world, I hope I walk by that dude and say what up to him because he's just a good dude. So when Archie left there, yeah, I mean, that was a really big surprise to a lot of us. I mean, again, going to Dynasty makes sense. You know, maybe Russell Wilson this year in the NFL goes from Seattle to Denver. It's, you know, Tom Brady leaves New England and goes down to the Bucks and gets a championship. Retires you and know, then doesn't. Yeah, whatever. Harrison comes out because what's he going to do all day? But, you know, it makes also makes sense for Archie. Maybe he just needs somewhere different to get that spark under his ass. Again, I'm not not like Archie doesn't play good paintball. Yeah. But Archie is a unique enigma of talent that I don't know if we've ever we've seen Archie play at 100 percent. I'm not going to say that, but maybe on Dynasty, it will force him in a new you get comfortable, you know, like once you've been yeah. on a team for a long time, never intentionally, you just get comfortable. Like he knows what Colt's going to do. He knows what Billy's going to do. He knows what all those guys are going to do. Now on Dynasty, it's a whole new grind. It's a different system. While Archie's a great player, I mean, and I've played on Dynasty too, right? Like yeah. who isn't a great player on Dynasty, right? So it's just, it's a different, different look. But I was surprised and Back to like the initial thing, you know, Archie made that move. But after that, there really wasn't a lot of moves happening. I mean, you know, year after year, come Sunday, there's guys in your air. Hey, Carl, what are you doing next year? Hey, you know, hey, hey, hey. But there wasn't a lot of players doing the talking. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it, you know, Psalm sells TMG. 
I don't think any of those guys are really playing pro right now. I know some are playing semi-pro on the distortion team, which they did great in semi-pro, and that's good because the Midwest needs them little Chicago dirt balls grinding up. And, and that's a compliment. Dirt, dirt ball is a compliment. Oh, 100% like... <laughs> it is. <laughs> them dudes in Chicago, you're down to go into a dive bar with those guys because if it pops off, you know they're going to stand there with you. Oh, yeah. Just getting down to business, right? Like all of us that played on shock. But, you know, trade my gun sells and nobody goes – Nobody goes to another pro team. Hmm. Like when you played, didn't matter what team you were on. If that team disbanded, sold, whatever, you would have ended up somewhere else had you chose to, right? The phone would have rang. Yeah. But that didn't happen with Trade My Gun. And then AC Dallas gets relegated, which I don't think they're the worst team in the league. But, you know, the numbers said they were. They had to go down. They win semi-pro. Great dudes. You know, but none of those guys of the core of that team went to another pro team. I think one guy's on diesel right now, but he's not one of their starting five, six guys from the season before. Yeah. So now there's two teams. Thunder sells, five of them go over to the new Thunder Bear team, Corey and those guys. And I think Fido, Cato Warner went to the Ironmen. But besides there, the rest of those guys are gone. Then Brad McCurley retires. You know, Revo had a guy retire. My best guess is we saw three rosters full of players leave the league yeah. and just simple, whatever you want to call it, ebb and flow of this situation. If three got three teams worth of bodies out of 20 disappear, you got to have something coming in. Yeah. And while we did have the hurricane guys from down South that earned their pro spot hats off to them. And they did okay at this first tournament. They won some games, played very good team ball. They moved up. We didn't have, where are we going to get those other two rosters full of players that everybody wants? And now with the NXL, which again, I'm no knock here, just stating facts that on Sunday, they're going to actual match play, not split deck play. It's a whole different look. You need a deeper bench now because yeah. you know, you're playing back in the old X ball, two minutes in between points, you know, got, you need lines of guys you can shift out there. Where did those guys come from? Because I'll tell you right now, looking down into semi-pro, there ain't many down there. And when that goes back to your initial question, as I digress, is are we missing a generation of new upcoming players? We definitely are. I mean, you know, back home where we're at here, our home field is ASG. They sponsor us. And there's a bunch of young teams that play out there. Mm -hmm. And we had uh, Uprising down first weekend. And some of our guys were beat up. One guy had an injury, one was sick, and later we found out he had COVID. So we were short a couple guys at that point. And we asked some of the divisional guys, teams that were there. It was towards the end of the day. Hey, these guys from Seattle are still down here. They got a ton of paint. They don't have early flights. They want to keep playing on the field. Some of you kids want to jump out here and get down with us. There's free paint. We just need some of your little fast kids just to run to the snake or whatever. I mean, Carl, if that had been you back in the day Dude, at free Badlands. Paint. Free, that's all you had to say was free paint. Not right, like free paint. But shit. on top of that, if Aftershock had asked you, hey, man, you want to come jump like the, the OGs, the guys that I wanted to play with, the Garys and Spuds and Rennick and all those guys, Danny Love, Saransky, Poopy, you know, like, hey, hell yeah, I'd have been there. Yeah. I'd have flown to Chicago just to play one point with those guys. Mm -hmm. But we got these kids now that you offer them, hey, man, some of you guys want to come jump in? And now we're eating lunch right now. I'm waiting on my tacos. Man, fuck a taco. Like, I'm, I'm on that. I want to go field, eat on baby. the field. And I got a, a stack of five-star paint, right, for free. Yeah. But it's a, it's a different generation. And, like, 
you know, when I first built Aftermath was because I, you know, I'd gotten on Dynasty and I looked in the offseason, I needed kids to play against. And there was a lot of kids, Marcelo and all these kids were around. And it was easy to put together a group of kids to go, you know, hone my skills against. And these days I see the talent out there, but what we're lacking is the grit, gumption, moxie that it would take for those guys to sacrifice something and put it all together mm -hmm. there's so many egos and so many head cases and it's just you know for those of us that are i'm 41 now i mean i you know i'm watching my kid play paintball and i remember having my kid induced early so i didn't miss chicago the third week of june <laughs> that's dedication he was born 616 oh, so i could make it wearing my smart part shirt because i was on dynasty back around time i got cody smick on the team which is jerseys hanging behind you right like great dude i genuinely top 10 top 20 dude to ever play around me good human being cody yeah but like it's crazy how far we've come like for myself we've come and the opportunities that are still out there for these kids like the ironman the ironman had a you know no knock at them a complete rebuild they had three guys nick yeah al and zach which he was new at world cup so you really had two ogs left on the team a complete rebuild they struggled to get kids out there i mean don't worry they got some kids out there mm -hmm. but those kids that they got out there weren't listening you know nikki is their coach she tells you to run backwards fucking to the other team's flag station you better get running backwards chief yeah you know what i mean keep them feet up but these kids these days don't want to do it they don't want to take the direction and it's it's an interesting time to be in this sport because i think we're going to continue to see you know in five years how many more guys are going to retire you know, or guys like Nick, you know, from the Ironman still, I'm not saying they won't be, I'm just saying yeah. Billy Bernaccia, how many of these guys are going to keep doing it? Mm -hmm. You know, I talk to Mouse sometimes where he's like, I just don't know how much longer I'm going to keep doing this hinge. I hear you, man. I think, I think if we've seen two to three rosters this last year disappear, a couple more years, we're going to be down a lot of bodies. You know yeah. what I mean? Again, I'm not saying paintball is going to go away or there's not going to be 20 teams in the pro division. There's just, it's going to be a cycle and I don't see it. I, I watched these semi-pro teams. You know, we got beat at the Astro event, missing three or four of our starters to a semi-pro team blast camp. And hats off to those guys. But I'm telling you, looking in that division, I don't see anybody that's scary in there. I mean, could all of those teams win a match at the NXL against a pro team? 100%. Could those teams be Sunday teams at the NXL? <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Like, there's just no way. You know what I mean? Like, I... Because you always say that, right? Like, oh, the top three semi-pro teams, they could go beat up on all these pro teams. Maybe you could, maybe you couldn't. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean you're a Sunday team. And yeah. like I said, if your team, these semi-pro teams break apart, how many of us are going to be calling you guys to come jump on our team? Yeah, maybe you're a little kid that runs real fast to the snake. But if you don't make it a year, you get cut, and then you just get recycled into the dustbin of history you weren't a real pro yeah i see these guys man it, the ego and the narcissism that we deal with in this sport is just something else you know like i watched a guy talk about like he was upset that they didn't put out a you know a move alert because a team picked him up in the pro division and it's like huh? build a fucking name for yourself and then they'll they'll make a new move alert for you you know what i mean but if they're not <laughs> making a move alert for you that says enough right there like just stop talking Wow. Two ears, one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. That's insane. Like, for me, I would want no one to know. I would just want to show up to the event 
and just walk onto the field and yeah. start fucking playing. Go play my paintball. Yeah. Try to keep the anxiety at bay and just go play ball. Yeah. But it's, you know, that's the generation we're living in now is, you know, not what I've done. It's what I'm going to do. People are already cashing future checks. Yeah. Hey, Carl, I'm going to work for you, man. And can I get that check that you're going to owe me in two months? No, nah, man, you got to put the work in and you get your check. Yeah. That's how it works. And it's just, it's a different time, man. It's a really different, like for myself, my son uh, pulled his, partially tore his groin at my WCBL event. He plays on a team. I don't even mention their name. I go <laughs> Is that what the MRI was for? Yeah. It's it was it was purple. Like he pulled his pants Ooh. kind of the side. And he's like, Dad, and I was kind of gay, but look at and it's up in his you know his groin area. Yeah, yeah. It was purple, and it's like, yeah, that yeah. you don't get that from a pulled muscle. That's something ripping or whatever. Which mm-hmm. you know he didn't stretch. He learns. But you know, watching these kids like these kids get injuries and they don't want to play through them. And luckily for me, I was super stoked. My son pushed through it. Right. I mean, he couldn't run. He had to play the back center. Still played a one-on-one in the Ocho Finals to get him into the next round. Of won the one. I think he won three one-on-ones over the course of the weekend. Oh wow! So I was super stoked at that. But like a lot of kids don't want to. Like you know, when it's Sunday, I want to see what you're gonna do Sunday at practice at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. If your shit's already off and you're in the car, you're not the dude I'm looking for. Yeah. If it's three o'clock and you're like, hey, we got three bags of paint left, Carl, get to that side. We're gonna go play one-on-ones, or you know, we're gonna go at each other. That's the grit we're looking for, right? But that like. Who we were back in the day, back at Badlands, leaving piles of flesh on that hard-ass ground, you know, I don't think, I don't think we have that in the sport anymore. So, are we missing a generation? Yeah, we're missing our what we OGs would expect the new kids to be, but maybe this is the new generation. It's just soft-ass kids. Yeah, which is boggles my mind too, because if you think about it, like. At least for me, back then the goal was play pro. Get good enough to play pro, have a team notice you, or go pro with the guys you're with. Just go pro. Play against the best people in the world. Like that was that was my goal. And then once that happened, new goal, right? It was now become the best team in the world or become, you know, win a tournament. The, the obvious stuff, right? But I feel like now... And that was even before the big contracts or, or or maybe I was too naive to know that there were some contracts going on or anything, but that wasn't in my, that wasn't in my peripherals. But you, you would think now with how much the money is kind of being thrown around now publicly um, and, and people knowing that players are getting paid and that there is, there is obviously some kind of incentive on being a fucking killer on the field. But that happening, it's, we still don't have that kind of drive from every single maybe semi-pro team or every single player who has a high-level team to play against or high-level players to play against at fields. How the, even that's just not an incentive. I mean, not saying that that should be. I'm just saying that's a pretty fucking damn good ex- you know, incentive to yeah. to want to be one of the very best. Um, and, and to have still a lacking... Of, and I and I don't want to I don't want to offend anybody who's obviously out there grinding because we know people are out there doing that right we but I think that it is such a select few that's that's what kind of turns over the opinion of of why we might feel this way why it's weighted on one side of like not seeing the amount of talent maybe that we should 
be seeing just maybe on our yeah. own. I mean, I'll give you another for instance. Back at our home field, we have two turf pads. The owners just built three more turf, brand new turf pads for us. Mm -hmm. But we have the backfield is where Aftermath and a couple of the local field teams that have been very loyal to them, they get to practice on that field. And the front field is for, you know, the walk-on teams or whatever you want to call it. Like yeah. if you're not part of the in crowd, you're over on the front field. And I see some of these young kids, you know, like I'm Facebook, I'm a little older school, I'm not on Instagram, but I watch all these kids, D5, D4, and I know them all by first name. You know, I message them all. I, I'm very accessible in the Southern California area. But I see these kids talk about, I want to be a pro. Like, I want to be there. I want to be up there, you know, playing against Dynasty and Aftermath or whoever it is. And it's like, man, we've been out here with – first practice we had NYX, Diesel, Dynasty, and us out there. And these kids on the front field never walked 200 yards back to the next field to watch what the pros were doing. But they still have the audacity to bitch about what's it going to take for me to get noticed. The big dogs are right over there. Step up over there. Be the guy. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, you come to an aftermath practice, stand there all day. We're going to get you a point in. I don't know when we'll, we'll let a kid run a point. End of yeah. the set, end of the day. You know, you want your spot, Carl, go beat one of these guys with a jersey. You can take their jersey. That's always been our motto. Yeah. But these kids just don't have it these days. They flat out don't have it like that. And if Dynasty was there or like, you know, your Midwest, like if all the big guys were down at wherever Badlands or wherever it was practicing, you would have been there just trying to soak up game, you know yeah. what I mean? If I'm not there yet, I get my first 10,000 hours to get to pro, which I do think it takes about 10,000 hours to master that and get there. Mm -hmm. I got to go soak up some free game. And yeah. I tell that to these young kids. And there's a couple of them. There's a guy named Rob Wilson that's up in the violence camp. He'll come to our practices and just stand there, listen, listen in on the plays that are being spoken and just try to understand D3, D4 level dude, maybe D2, whatever he calls himself. He's my boy, Baldini. But uh, like these kids don't want to take that opportunity. I, if there was a hundred kids sitting at our practice, we would be totally okay with a hundred kids sitting there listening in on what Aftermath is doing. Yeah. But they just don't. And I don't think it's like that everywhere else. I know there's, you know, no knock. Just you know, you're not gonna go to X Factor and get to sit in on Ryan Brand's ideas. And it's it's it really is crazy. The the information is free out there, especially in this digital age. There's so much intel out there. Yeah. And they just don't want to listen. And that again, we go back to that's just part of this generation. It's what separated us, right? Like yeah. I can't think of you know I helped build Mouse. I can't think of one kid. I mean you know and Mouse is rough, right? Like he's out there ripping D five dudes up if they want to step to him. He'll race anybody. You know. You're one of the fastest dudes that ever played this game. Maybe the fastest dude. Mouse is out there to set a point every day, and there's none of these kids that, you know, I understand you're going to beat me, but I'm at least going to make you feel me, man. Yeah. You know, you're not just going to knock me out with one punch. We're, like, we're going to go rounds, buddy. Yeah. And you might win, but tomorrow morning you're going to be like, fuck, it wasn't the greatest idea to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with that dude. But these kids don't want that. They do not. Like if Mouse is heading to one side, they're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, man. Give me as much of that as I can get. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's just a, it's a different time. And it's riding that, it's riding that line of like being the annoying kid, but also being the kid that's just absorbing everything. And it's like, you have to, as that kid, you have to ride that line because you're not going to get noticed just by one single thing that happens. Or there's very rare instances where that happens. Or like, who the fuck is that kid? You know, one of those things. But other time you have to put yourself in that situation of to get noticed. It's not going to be this fucking spotlight on you 
of like these things happening. It's going to be it's going to be you playing well, obviously on the field, uh, but in close proximity to someone who should notice um, or somebody who you would want to notice. It's doing the same thing that you were just talking about, where the kid was actually like, I stand behind the players, listen to the play, see what's going on, because you know what's going to happen is you're going to look over. Notice that kid. Continue just doing what you're doing, right, with your team. But you're going to notice that kid. Maybe notice the jersey that he's wearing. And then notice him later in the day. Maybe maybe stop on the way back from, like, carrying paint or whatever the fuck. You see him on the field. He does well. Does really good. And then, okay, you kind of take notice. But it's those little things like that that happen to where you put yourself in that situation to to elevate yourself to to, to have an opportunity. You know what yeah. I mean? Somewhere down the line. Well, and so much of this is relationships, right? Like yeah. if you and I talked every week and you were on shock and I was on dynasty or aftermath or even like Cody, Cody was on Smith was on vicious with Polly and them. I played with Polly on shock tech. We all, and I went to aftershock and then over to dynasty, but I still remembered Cody and I was like, yeah, hey, he's a good kid. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. because we were friends, I picked up the phone, called Ohio Dude was on a plane coming to play on Dynasty and got to live his dream. And a lot of paintball relationships, I think there's a lot of a lot of good kids out there. Yeah. I mean, I think there is so much undiscovered gold out there in paintball. And the only way it gets discovered is by making yourself known. But if you're, you know, geographically isolated, you're up, you know, you can be in South Dakota, North Dakota, middle of nowhere. But by knowing people, by being that guy, and again, there's a fine line between being, like you said, over the top with it. You don't want to be arrogant. You don't want to be too cocky. Yeah. But also to be noticed, like, man, I'm willing to do anything. Just what weekend are we practicing? When? Oh, April what? I don't care if it's Easter. I'm going to be there. Yeah. What's that? I, my son's due when? Same weekend in Chicago? Hey, honey, first boy that we're having. We're going to get this one out early. I got to get on that plane, get to Chicago, and play this tournament because, you know— and it's a tough one to say it like that, but you have to be so all in on it. It has to be extreme, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just be nine to five Monday through Friday shit and expect to be on the greatest teams in the world and and ultimately get the chance to play like you've gotten, like I've gotten at that level. Because that's what we wanted, right? It was just the opportunity to be in the moment and know that the outcome was not decided. It was our actions that was going to decide this match. And yeah. to have that moment in time you know, and it's such a great moment, right? Like speaking for myself, I wouldn't trade that shit for nothing. No. I'm sure you wouldn't either. But like, man, it's out there. And if I can do it, you can do it. They can do it. Why aren't you doing it, man? Like, why Why not? And it just comes down to a lot of people don't want to put the hard work in. I was never an athlete. I was never fast. I was never in the gym, right? I just wanted it so bad that I just would not give up. Yeah. I, you, I mean... Like we said again, right? That's what you have to do. I mean, you have to you have to obsess about it. I mean, if that's if that's what you want to do, um, you know, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take putting things aside that you thought were important. It's. I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? We we have so many of these guys and so many people saying, you know, well, I want to be the best. Or I want to do this. I was like, well, get ready to not do anything else except fucking play paintball and become obsessed with it and only do that because and and getting to that level was just the tip of the spear because once that happened you got to the level but then playing against those guys 
it only made you better and it only kind of sharpened your sword and it only made you that much more of a player. But there's also so many players that got to that level and then you just don't you don't hear from them again. It's it's such a select few that got to that level and actually made a name for themselves and and were able to branch off and still do work and still play for teams and be relevant, um, which gives you a reason of why it's so just ruthless at the top and why a lot of people kind of just don't really succeed. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it wears on you, right? Like you get into it and you think you've been, like I said, it takes 10,000 hours to get there. It takes another 10,000 hours to stay there, to be Ryan Greenspan, to be Alex Frazier, to be yeah. Archie or the guys that we still have there. It, it takes a long time and it's, man, if you don't got the thousand yard step, the thousand yard stair coming in the door, give it a couple of years or a couple of decades like I'm at and you're going to have it, right? Like it just, it changes you. Like, yeah. I Let's, didn't have all these white hairs, and now, and now yeah. I do. <laughs> Joined, I've had them for a while, and I'm, I mean, the kids didn't help. But, you know, paintball definitely was up there, too. Um, I want to talk kind of how you how you did get into paintball and how you got to where you are with, you know, with APX, with Dynasty, with, with Shock, uh, with oh, wow. Aftermath. Because I know we had a little back and forth there for a little bit back in, like, 2007, I think it was. I think that was a cool, unsung, like, rivalry time which i thought was really cool and it was super fun because i felt like we were some of the best teams in the world at that level uh, which i think was just as good as any of those pro teams um and man did we have we had some battles that year man yeah no there was (laughs) battles unlike any we see these days yeah um man I mean, I got into this. I literally was out one weekend with my dad. We were shooting real guns at San Diego County where I was born and raised. And we were out shooting real guns in the desert and driving back. My dad saw a guy that my dad was like a biker dude, gypsy. Like my, we never lived anywhere more than a year. It was pretty nomadic lifestyle and uh, saw a dude that he thought he knew. We turned around. It was him. The guy was caretaking a paintball park in Julian. It was called Wild Woodies. And, uh, you know, got hooked on it. Right. Like. I mean, we literally played for a year straight Christmas. The field owner was just, you know, like field owners usually are, just people that are super into it. Yeah. I had a ton of money. We had some money at the time and uh, just got super into it and uh, just didn't give it up and, you know, played regionally here for 10 years, whatever it was, and hmm. got on the Bushwhackers, which the Bushwhackers in the 10-man days was always a good place for local Southern California talent to get on with Kilborn. Paxton yeah. was always there. We had tons of teams and as the Bushwhackers would do, it fell apart pretty quick, and I got moved up to their top team. And uh, Mike Paxson, two dudes that I owe my career to is Mike Paxson and Todd Martinez. And uh, we're playing a Cal Jam event, you know, cross up. I look the other way. Johnny Perchett comes down and just murders Paxson, just barrel to the head, you know, bleeders all the way down. And they wanted to cut me over it. And, you know, Pax looks at Ron and everybody, and he's like, you know, Mike learned a lot. Like he didn't, Bax didn't get mad at me. I mean, I wasn't a small dude either, right? Yeah. But he never raised his voice. He was totally respectful, and uh, he saved my saved my bacon, you know, on mm-hmm. that team. And then seven man started Huntington Beach, the first one in the sand. You know, we had gone from amateur the year before, never making a Sunday cut. Ron Kilborn being Kilborn is like, man, we're gonna go pro next year in seven man. It's like Ron, maybe you didn't notice last season. We went zero and five for making Sundays. We kind of got our asses kicked a little bit here and there, like. Maybe we should play amateur seven, man. Yeah. We played Huntington Beach, the first ever one, and had some good games. We were top four, beat Dynasty in some points or some games, you know, and uh, 
really quickly catapulted us up. And as teams do, you know, I was just a wild asshole mm-hmm. as a kid. I'm 41 now and kind of learning to calm down a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> I was just too much. And, uh, Ron and I went our own ways after the second. I think we got fourth again and, uh, we went our own ways and that's where Todd Martinez, which, you know, Todd and I had always grown up in San Diego. We were never beef with each other, but we were never super tight with each other. He did invite me. My dad was a machinist at die mm. and he did say they were starting a team full of all these kids that would later become the iron kids. And I told him I was good. Like I had my <laughs> own team, swear to God. And, uh, you know, I leave that team bushwhackers after the second seven man. And, uh, he gets me a spot on shock tech second shock team. And I think it was Maxim at that time. And I played the season out there. And then by the next season got moved up to aftershock Mardi Gras. I think it was the last like big Mardi Gras that Rab and them ran yeah. in the rain. Just gross event. It was my Ugh. first pro with just ridiculously fast guns, but, uh, got up there and made it there for, you know, a season and a half, two seasons. There was a lot of change, you know, Danny love and Ryan Williams, and Todd and Billy and all those guys were phasing out and we were all coming in and, you know, just a tough time. And I was kind of getting burnt out. You know, Rennick Miller always took really good care of me. And yeah. to this day, I always say that, man, if there's Ren calls me up and says, Hey man, I'm out of town. Can you come and pick up dog shit at my house in Chicago? <laughs> I shit you not, I would get on a plane and go up there. Like anything that yeah. guy needs, I would be there. Rennick's a good dude. Totally. But uh, Todd had gone back home at that point to Dynasty. And I think they were having tryouts that weekend. Kenny Rosenberg broke his leg, his femur at Bob Long's house. Oh, my God. And Todd and I had been talking a little bit. But it was like me, my buddy Fish, and my other buddy Mini Mike. And uh, they just didn't want all three. And Fish was a hothead. He had tanked somebody. Pretty violent oh group God. of human beings. And... Uh, at that point, Kenny had broke his leg and Todd calls me on a Saturday. I'm at Badlands and he goes, Hey man, like this is the chance. Like they'll take you and mini Mike. I was already pretty well in, mm-hmm. but it was the mini Mike and I wasn't going to leave my boy behind. So we, you know, I talked to mini Mike and he's like, yeah, let's go. And I think Mike Carey was running the team at that point with Darcy and them. And I just walked up and said, Hey man, I'm going to take another offer. I'm going Took unloaded my gear bag. Here's all my stuff. Mm-hmm. Thank them. Thank Rennick. And uh, went to Chicago Midway, Southwest, Oakland, Land, Skinny Kevin and Todd picked me up. Go to Bob's house, you know, which was, I had never played against, you know, Bob is a legend out here. But we had never been up to his house and it was a whole different vibe. First point yeah. we're playing. Arnold uh, Francisco jumps up out of the snake, like four or five of us on him. And he screams out Scarface motherfuckers and starts running down the snake. And that's when the guns were like uncapped. Yeah. And like, he just turns banana ball orange, like, you know, like a hundred balls hit him. Yeah. Like it was no thing. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, I don't want to get shot. Like, times. like <laughs> I'm down to tech 10, 15, 20, but I mean, he just went. Whoosh. Yeah. So, uh, at the end of the day, you know, they're taking pants sizes and they hadn't told us we were on the team yet. And I mm-hmm. always tell this story. Uh, they're like, you know, what size pant do you wear? I, that's I was a size 34 waist or whatever. And cool. And Angel for goes ahead and said shit to me all day. Right. Big daddy Ainge. And uh, he goes, ah, he goes, you should probably get a size 36 and just goes back to what he's doing. And I'm like, oh, man, that's the first thing he said to you. Yeah. He goes, you should get a 36. And I'm like, cool. You know, like, I appreciate it. The Carl, you've been here for a while, right? The pant sizes on these JT pants run a little small. Yeah. He goes, nah, just so when you grow some fucking balls, you can actually fit in them. <laughs> right? And I'm looking at Ainge like, I'm like twice your fucking size, dude. Just take it down a notch. But then it was funny is none of us had flights home. We all drove from Bob Long's house in Oakland 
you know, 10 hours, 500 miles back to San Diego. Yeah. And it was the craziest weekend, but that's how Todd Martinez got me on there. And, you know, my, my career would not be what it is today without being on that team. Like aftermath exists only because dynasty allowed it to exist. Yeah. You know, being the big guys, like they played us all the time. There's so many videos and fight videos of us getting into it because they played us all the time and they never once came after our guys. The Ironmen pilfered us. Like if there was a, Plus and loss, pluses, minuses. I owe the Ironman big on stealing players still. Yeah. Because they would, you know, Marcelo, Mouse three times. Like they stole oh, so yeah. many of our guys. Dynasty never did that. And, you know, they they really fostered a culture that we could grow. And, you know, Todd built Raza and Aftermath was there. And we survived because those guys allowed it to happen. So that's where we got there. And, you know, I kept getting older, right? Like I'm not, I'm genetically not gifted in the big bone department. Like I'm a big dude. I kept putting on pounds every year and got to a point in aftermath was going. So I built aftermath my first season with dynasty. So I could have somebody to play against. Like mm-hmm. originally it was Marcelo and another guy where it was like, yo, we're just going to go two two on ones until you, I can beat both of you. And then we'll just go three on ones. Like I have to get better yeah. to stay on this team. And, uh, you know, aftermath did so out of the gate, they win the first PSP, they win Huntington beach. And it's like, well, I can't pull the rug on these kids, which cost me more money than I should have ever spent. And we just kept it going. And after a couple of years, it was like, man, maybe it's my time to stop playing, go coach my guys and just focus on, I mean, rainy, we had so many good players in our camp. Oh yeah. And, uh, just focused on that, you know, it was my time to to step back and dynasty was in great and they're always in great hands. Right. Like Mm -hmm. even when you think like, here comes the cliff and they're about to go off, like dynasty pulls some shit, pops out some wings and just flies off into the sunset (laughs) winning tournaments. So they were, they were fine. And you know, I later went back and coached there for a while and you know, you know, again, dynasty is one of those teams, not that the call, I don't think would ever need to come, but if they ever called, you know, like phrase joked around one time to my son Bryce that plays and he said, you know, when are you going to be ready to come play with us? And Bryce is through and through. He breaks a leg. It's going to bleed aftermath. But like if, you know, dynasties, there's a special relationship there between us. You know, like when their guys come out in the offseason, if they don't got paint, we give them paint. Always, 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 always. So yeah. it's, you know, a cool story that's never really talked about that. the You know, we were red and black because they were blue and black and we just went the other direction. But we used to have the dynasty logo on the jerseys just as paying homage to those guys. That's right. I forgot about that. I mean, it was so easy that like in the PSP days when Todd Martinez crashes a golf cart into a stanchion and they suspend him, Todd gets sent down to the AAA team aftermath to do hood rat shit with his friends. Funny story is he actually got an overshooting penalty at a PSP and they gave him like some piece of paper that said, you've been a bad boy, like his referral slip. My little brother actually pulled it out of an NXE backpack, Big Sean, in his garage recently the actual like gross overshooting todd's out for a match or whatever yeah but it's just like we really worked well with them mm-hmm. so yeah, well i mean you could tell i mean you guys were it was just it was it was steel sharpening steel i feel yeah. you know and we had a bunch of young kids i mean they still had great talent till jack and all those guys they could get anybody they wanted we just had a new crop of young kids, probably the last crop of young players that came up through. I mean, Tyler Harmon played with us at one point. Not that he didn't make a name already on Bob, mm-hmm. but it was like the last, in my opinion, the last true batch 
of new stormtroopers that were legit hardened, hardened, hardened criminals. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were ready for battle. So yeah, it was, I mean, the Raza days, if we had had video on that, there would be just volumes upon volumes of <laughs> craziness that went down out there and just great grinding paintball days. It's mm -hmm. really what made paintball special, right? Yeah. Those days out there. And I mean, it's still like that to this day, you know, like we played heat in the quarterfinals or whatever. And, you know, phrase, you know, Hey, good luck guys. Hope you win, whatever, whatever. We didn't even know we played dynasty if we beat them. And then we did and win, lose or draw. Like we're all laughing about it. You know, Joe Barrett throws a pod. Ryan comes in, but we've oh all seen God, the video clip. So awesome. Last weekend we're at the WCPL and Joe Barrett's there refing. Ryan's there. And I was like, Joe, you know, we grabbed some pods out. We're like, you want to go sign this and stand with <laughs> Ryan? Like it's, we just genuinely have fun with it. So it's a really special relationship with all of us. Do you know who who saw Ryan go up there? Because because Joe couldn't see that move, we right? We knew or... he was going to be up there in scout. <laughs> like Ryan had played that stand up wedge the whole tournament and was mm -hmm. playing great there, right? He'd go there, shut the snake off. But if he knew there was company, you know, if you walk that field, it's easy to bunker the guy in the fifty. It's where you go afterwards, right? It was you, you, you have to go to their wedge, right? You'd go to their wedge. But if that first Dorito or even second, the inset Doritos are looking inside, mm -hmm. you're a dead man. And we had TK in there, I believe, looking inside. So Joe just knew to throw it. Mesa had brought it up in our team meeting. Just throw a pod and make the bunker shake. Yeah. And he'll come bite on it. And Ryan was is hyper aggressive. Mm -hmm. And he saw the bunker shake and came and bunkered nobody. I mean, it was the one one good one we had. We gave him a good match. You know? <laughs> no, we it was, it was really good. Lost match, that right? match. It's the same, right? Like, it sucks to lose, right? It sucks to be mm. on the short end of the stick, but it's also good. Like, when your friends w beat you but still win the tournament, you send that text on the, you know, I'm already on the plane Sunday night heading back home because I got work on Monday. Yeah. But I'm sending them the message, hey, man, Marcelo, congrats. Ryan, congrats. You know, see you guys at practice in a couple weeks. And, you know. Move on. You'd rather your friends win it, right? Like, oh, when yeah. you're genuinely friends with somebody and it's lifelong friendships, you hope they win, right? You hope you win, but if you don't, we've, I mean, how many tournaments have you played in at the top level? It's countless, right? Oh, yeah. You just wish well to all your friends. Mm -hmm. So, and there was how many teams? I remember playing on Shock, and there would be so many teams that we would beat that would go on and win the tournament. And it's oh, like, yeah. I remember, I remember Impact. I, I don't know if it was 2015. I don't know if it was 15 or 16, but it was a tournament. Um, might have been Cup or something, but we were the only team to beat them in the entire event and then they go to win on the event we're like what the fuck man well, like, we know, you, we know. you have what it takes to win on any given sunday you just got to put all the mentals together to be able to win on any given sunday yeah you just got to show up every game every point and just it's a whole different level dude it was uh frustrating to say the least but uh but what so what was that how did that relationship work when uh because i want to go back to you and angel at that point because i i feel like i've never Maybe I, w I wasn't around Angel as much, so I don't—I didn't really know that much of him just by some of the videos and everything. I mean, also, besides, he was one of the players that I really, really watched, and I felt like was his his physical playing ability and just his mannerisms and just how he moved his body and played. I think he was f above and beyond, um, you know, anybody of that generation. Uh, but I never really knew him that much off the field. I mean, was 
did you guys just become close after that or how did it how did it work yeah, out? Yeah, I mean a that? lot of us were close, right? Like I mean when back then rosters were deep, right? There was 10, 12, 13, 14 dudes. Yeah. But you know, a lot of us like, you know, Todd Martinez was is still to this day a wild child, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's something else when he gets rolling. We've all seen Todd on the sick one. <laughs> and you know, like I you know, it's like the movie Platoon if you've ever seen it. There's like all the straight edge dudes in one barrack and the other barracks a bunch of us hippie ass heads and i'm not saying we're all doing drugs or anything like that but there was just the other guys and you know angel clicked in well with us right like angel's a great dude like you know i probably that day was over i made dynasty right like fucking yankees called here i am (laughs) you know like yeah and i probably was a little over happy and angel shut and he's from up there in the bay area right like Mm -hmm. those dudes don't play around up there he's Angel's a serious character, you know, like real talk. He's uh, but he's a great dude. Even to this day, you know, I've seen him at some events or seen him around and big daddy Ainge was just a really special. And, you know, on dynasty, it was kind of shitty. He just had one job. Yeah. Snake. That was it. Like it, if we were up 15 points, he couldn't go play the Doritos. He couldn't yeah. go through this. It was snake, snake corner, snake, God, snake, like it was, that's, that was his whole life, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting being the back center guy, right? Cause that three seconds, Ryan Greenspan would say, shoot, right, shoot left. And I, I always tell these kids, these divisional kids coming up through the WC and at our local field, man, you know, I'd be pumping that lane on that snake. And it was like, man, I just knew to myself, every second I keep you or whoever it is out of that snake, angel's going to go down there and you're going to see the refs down on the other side of the field start pointing at people that they're dead. Yeah. And that's all I had to do was 10 pods, 15 pods, however many it was, just don't let them in the snake. Cause then there's a trade coming. Mm-hmm. If nobody trades with angel, he's going to go to work, but uh, a true consummate professional. I mean, he broke his body playing the snake for that team. Right. I don't think that, I don't think that team would have been the same team without him. No, definitely not. I mean, he was just such a, you know, from coming from me as a coach, I mean, the next guy I think of with longevity and is just an absolute factor is Mouse, right? Yeah. Like, he is a factor. He's, you know, if this is the NBA, he's the one guy, you put him on any single team, he's a better team. I mean, same with Archie, same with Ryan. I'm not taking it away. But if you had to pick a guy to start building a franchise around, now I think if you were to ask the other, you know, I'm one of them, but the other 19 pro team, coach, GMs, whatever you want to call them, Mouse is going to be the most named guy. Everybody yeah. can say it's going to be somebody else. And uh, no, it's going to be Mouse, dude. Stop. I was talking to somebody from Florida today that runs a pro team before we got on this. And uh, we were joking around about players. And he's like, yeah, the only guy from California I'd pick up is Mouse. <laughs> it says a and, lot. I mean, it's just, it's, it is a known fact, right? Like, there's a reason the Latin Saints got him, right? Mm-hmm. So let's, let's kind of go back to that. Let's go back to, uh, the days of aftermath when you had Rainey, Marcelo. Um, I don't know if they weren't on the same on the same team. Alex, Marcelo, and Rainey, because Rainey was after. Rainey was there for a long time. Like he was there. He'd gone over and played with like Pauly and Vicious at one point later, and gone to the Ironmen. But he was there. Like when we won Jacksonville Seven Man, Rainey was a huge part of it. So. Talking about those guys who've played on that team, did you notice something right away with them? Was and 
and what was it if you did was it like was it the work ethic was it the showing up was it was it their physical play what do you look for and what do you find in players that uh, that really grit. become that's the, the only thing i look for is grit yeah it's just gritty human beings and you know I, no in the in the short term you know i think you find through a lot of sports and you know teams that do well in whatever field or facet of sport they're in you don't realize it in the short term how special short term long term goals right you don't re- long term looking back at it yeah, it was easy to see because Mouse and Marcelo and Rainey and Compton Ray and Rory and Whisper and Ronnie, all the guys we had were soldiers. And if they, we were the first team to practice and we were the last team to leave. And if they opened the field up on a Friday or a Tuesday or whatever day, our guys played paintball all year round. But, you know, that was the first group of guys I had really coached. So I didn't have a lot to compare it to. But now looking back, I mean, like Mouse, you know, to this day, we'd be, you know, in the middle of a match, you know, playing you guys or whoever we're playing. And it's, you know, deep in the match and it's a tie game. And Mouse, you know, we're going snake on the break. Yeah, we're going snake on the break. And he he knew, right? Like he knew we knew each other so well. And I had built him right up to that level that we just knew without many words, we could communicate a lot of info back and forth or you know you'd come in hinge this happened well cool got you you know but yeah i i knew those dudes as it progressed were special right like sitting there in tampa watching our guys i think we got semi-pro win and i'm watching dave youngblood standing there this is the height of die right at the backside he's looking at them kids <laughs> no pun intended but he's watching them dudes and it's like you know i find out that they were talked to at the end of that event on a monday when they got home into san diego they were at die and we were a proto team mm-hmm. and there was 10 ironman jerseys with mouse's name and marcelo's name on it and they were looking to scout players and in that moment you're watching them against voltage which would later become a lot of damien and the so scenes and all all the great players that came out of the midwest yeah you knew like these kids have come a long way, but you know, like yourself, when you were younger coming up in the game, we didn't have context to how good it was, right? Like the years on avalanche, you don't really have context until you get to the end of it. Then you look back at it and you're like, well, that shit was special. And that's why yeah. we're still here talking about it. Right. Cause it truly, it's just deep, right? It's really deep. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, I, you know, Marcelo to this day, you know, like, we all butted heads, right? I was maybe still am crazy. And those kids were crazy. So, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of tension. Yeah. I don't think you ever see on other sports teams, not saying we're as cool as they are in paintball, but when you get to the top level, there's going to be friction. There's going to be, you know, two guys got into it at practice, you know, or whatever. ESPN loves to talk about that. But what we know is that's just part of the game at some point. You know what I mean? We're not, it's different, right? you realize this as a coach, like if I talk about you or your family or whatever, that's personal. That's way too far. But if I'm calling you out or you're calling me out, that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. As long as we don't get personal with it. Right. Like where we get really offensive. It's just at some point, like Carl, you're fucking up, man. Ran that snake 10 times. You gotten shot nine of them. I don't give a fuck. If you got to do cartwheels into the corner, burrow under that thing and get into that snake. You need to get yourself in there. Use the ref as a shield, wipe some hits off. I don't care. Just get in there. You know what I mean? It gets like that. And with those kids, again, we didn't know any different, but when shit fell apart and 
whatever happened every time Mouse went to the Ironman, he always came back to Aftermath because he knows, and even to this day, you know, like people always speculate, you know, Mouse is going to come back or Marcelo is going to come back. And the truth is they're already back because there'll always be Aftermath players, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're all, it's a fraternity. It's like the guys on Avalanche, you know, that you played with, whether it was Trillet or this dude or, you know, whoever it is, Ed Porman or whoever, yeah. you guys are a brotherhood, you know what I mean? And like the years go by and the decades go by, but you're still like these dudes that came up through Aftermath, they're always Aftermath players. Like even if they're wearing a Latin Saints, Dalton or whoever it is, we still make fun of them. Like Dalton, you played the X, <laughs> the box behind the X with your chin strap and your circle jersey and your angel with the forward drop. Like, come on, dude, chill. And we, you know, let's go, Dalton. So we all joke around about it. You know, it's yeah. just it's a special moment that we all have, and I'm super happy for those dudes. You know, like yeah. Marcelo, like you know when the Saints had called him this year and offered him whatever they offered him or whatever. Oh, they had, they did go after him. Yeah. Even knowing that he has a, a a part in the the dynasty, um, wow! I believe so. I mean, I think yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. There was, a, I mean, all of us on the inside know there was reportedly an offer made. And yeah. Marcelo stayed where he was at. You know what I mean? But you know, like I talked to him about it, and I, you know, I mean, there becomes such a number, right? Whatever you make in your life, if I make fifteen dollars an hour, somebody comes and offers me thirty dollars an hour. Whatever you're making times two, I ain't mad at you, dude. Buy me fucking P.F. Chang's and we're going to call <laughs> it a night. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. But, you know, yeah. we. Do you think it's sustainable? Luckily, what's that? Do you think that Latin money, I don't want to say Latin money. I want to say that keeping that roster around for longer than a year, is. do you think that's sustainable? I think the players are committed to it. Yeah. 100%. Um I mean, if Diego, you know, I've talked to Diego. I think Diego's a good dude yeah i i genuinely there seems to be a level of realness about the man from what i've dealt with mm -hmm. you know another story that nobody's going to talk about but we can bring it up is at one point lj woodley when he was on our team talked to him about getting a deal and lj hits me up at like literally midnight in california and i'm like dude i'm in bed bro the chick's laying next to me like i'm a little busy what's up <laughs> and uh you know he's you know, the Saints talked to me and it's a great deal. And if it's a, you know, I might take it or whatever. And he's talking, I'm on speakerphone because, you know, my old lady's going to be like, tell your other girlfriend, you know, like <laughs> chill out. And uh, I'm texting Diego at the same time. Mm -hmm. And Diego, wherever he's at in the world, probably on a yacht somewhere, living a good life, is sending me screenshots of what LJ said. And I was like, okay, you know, because I told the dude, I was like, if you want him, let's not bid for him. Like, yeah. I'm not going to if you want to pay this dude a ton of money, go for it. But I'm not going to match no deals. Like, yeah. Bob Felicia, you know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, you know, that's a little backstory with the Latin saints. And I respect Diego again, even if he wanted him, let's just be honest about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we should be able to call one another. If you're playing for me and you're going somewhere else at the end of the year, pick up the phone and be like, Mike, I want to be closer to at home with my wife, where my kids are. I'm going to get paid this much. Bro. Like I said, event one PF Chang is on you. You know, event five, I owe you Charlie's and we'll call well, it a day. I you mean, know? you understand, you understand the struggle coming through and the reward, not necessarily that that's a reward because obviously you have to, you got to back that paycheck up. Um, totally. But it's, you understand the struggle to get to that point and to have an opportunity like that is just. Well, you know, you know there's something off. to be said about, you know, integrity. Yeah. 
you know, honesty, being real, being, you know, you know, somebody said to me from the Saints, it wasn't Diego, but said, you know, if we want to take one of your players, how would the best way to go about it be? And Not I thought about slap. I thought I'll give him a little slap. But in the pro, I said, just be honest, man. How about that? Just be honest. It's yeah. it's cra- it's a crazy idea. Just be honest. Mm-hmm. So do I think it's sustainable? Yeah, as long as Diego wants to do it. I mean, do I think going forward, Diego will better like anybody. You come into the pro division your first year, this mouth quiet, ears open, eyes open, and just observe and absorb, right? Yeah. Do I think at the end of the year, if Diego wants to keep doing this, but then again, let's be fair, if I want to keep doing this, right? Like every team owner has to ask themselves that. But if he does, do I think at this point now, Diego could find talent for a lot cheaper than he paid for some of that talent? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, some of those impact dudes, you paid three times what they were making. That was going to be my next question. Is and I'm not that not that I'm calling anybody out, but uh, I wonder why he took pretty much that line. I mean, that it's an impact line, uh, adding in Celos, right? For the or, most part, who Which else is, was he going to get? Right, like Tyler got an offer, right? Harmon, Marcelo got an offer, so it wasn't mm-hmm. just them. It was this, those were the guys that were willing to leave because Impact had gotten those guys from leaving other people. And I'm not throwing stones. Right. They hired the best mercenaries they could find on Impact. And mm-hmm. Dave and Martin did a great job with it. And when another country offered the mercenaries three times the money to go be their mercenaries, Reba Reba, they were on it, right? Like, yeah. you're getting 30 grand here and that dude offers you 90 three times what you're making hourly. Like for all of us back home, whatever you make times three, there ain't much I wouldn't do for that much money. Right. It's, like whatever. it's, it's insane that, that that's actually not insane, but I mean, it's, it's hard to really look at and be like, man, you, you hear about some of these players, one or two, like getting deals like this every five years or something like that, you know, I like mean, back Oliver in the day, I got a hundred grand from die, which was really a hundred grand. It was a hundred grand worth of retail product, but Every one of those jerseys hanging behind you were three hundred dollars retail, right? A hundred grand of retail is really like fifty by the time you liquidate a lot of them jerseys <laughs> and barrel swabs and gun oil and whatever else. Sell it while it's hot. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean it. This and it's tough, right? You hear these other pro players like this is great. You know, it's going to cause the industry to you know all these guys are going to get paid, and you're like, no, no, like it's like the Billy Madison with the bus driver line. Like, no, no, they're not. The industry cannot support it. So, well, and no. I think it's only going to be something like this to where a a, a multimillionaire, I don't know the guy, but right. it's going to be where it's like a guy comes in like this, buys up a team, stays for however long, and then moves on. Or or, or well, doesn't. I don't know. But I'm, the only reason I say that is because, I mean, does he now get involved with the NXL? Does he, be, does he become part owner of the NXL? I don't think anybody wants to get involved with running a league. I mean, anybody out there wants to buy a league, come holler at me. You know <laughs> what I mean? I got one for sale. Like, I, I mean, could he? Yes, he could. I've heard some other industry news where he may get involved, paint, Mexico, whatever. Could he? For sure. But at some point when you have, you know, this is a level of money not many of us can really understand. So one, this happens in paintball for a reason because there's different levels of millionaires, right? Carl, you and I only have a million in the Monopoly box. But anyways, (laughs) like there's, you know, these 
a lot of these guys, if they can't get involved in Major League Baseball or NBA or hockey or any like that's billion dollar money yeah. you got to have. So if you only have 10 or 100 million dollar money, you can come into paintball and really be a force, right? Mm -hmm. Like a million, a true million dollars. We haven't even seen a true million dollars in a one year budget. I mean, the Saint, there's, I, I know a lot of the Saint numbers and I'm not, you know, but you're still not at a million dollars. Let me just tell you that. You're not even close to a million dollars total. Right. You got five or six guys, but even if they're, let's just say they're a hundred, which they're not, there's some of them that are at 30. You're at about a half a million to be fair. If you had a hundred million dollars and you wanted to come into paintball with a million dollars, who do you want on your team, Carl? You want Ryan Green's The best players in the world. <laughs> I right, mean, but, fuck. I mean, for the right price. Yeah. They'll go. But so talking, I think that's why we see this in paintball. Like Bart got involved, and Bart, to be totally fair, pays all of his guys. It's not Mouse. It's not J Rab. He pays all of his guys. Yeah. And it's you know a couple hundred grand a year. Sarge. He paid, yeah, yeah. And everybody, top to bottom, gets paid on that team. The guys get different amounts that do different things on the team, mm -hmm. but everybody on those teams get paid. So Diego's like a whole, he's like a megalodon shark, right? These yeah. other guys are great whites, and he's the big meg. And, you know, maybe someday we get another one that comes in, but you're realistically talking about one guy every five or 10 years. You're not, I mean, I hope we do. Listen, if they come in, have them call me first. Aftermath is for sale. I'll coach. He can buy the PF Changs, and we're good. There's you always know? a number. But it's just not reality, right? Like, yeah. I tell this story, and I'll make it quick to people. You know, I went to buy a real gun, right? Because live in America, we can do shit like that. During COVID, the Turner's Gun Store, it's a chain out here. You know, they were five months backordered on Glocks. Two, they get 2,000 Glocks a month. That's 10,000 Glocks backordered. Yeah. By the way, the firearm industry has so many manufacturers and cool guns, right? Mm -hmm. Paintball, somebody makes a special edition Lux or Eclipse gun or whoever it is. They make 200 of them. 200. HK or somebody like that, virtually whatever. 300 of them. Yeah. Ain't nobody making 10,000 guns. Ain't nobody backordered 10,000 guns in paintball. So the industry of paintball is so – I mean – we know everybody. John Rathbun at GI knows every field in America in his head. Greg Polly, right? Falcon guys. They all know everybody. Mm -hmm. The gun market, Rabikoff told me there's like a hundred and some thousand federal firearm licenses. That's dealers. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands. This industry just is not that big. So it's not sustainable. This is not sustainable. Like and that's not sour grapes talking. I'm just telling you it's not sustainable. I was in the industry. Guys are making $2 selling a box of paint. How many boxes of paint do you have to sell to give Avalanche or Aftershock or Aftermath 1,500 cases a year? It's a lot of paint, and we're yeah. not selling that much paint. So if you can't somehow generate money, we're not even close to that. So how do you do that? How do you do what? How do you sustain I mean, how, how, how does the, how Go does to Travis the... Lemansky and ask him pro DNA gear? It's infamous True. his own line. True. You got X factor wearing it. You got dynasty using it. You've got impact using it. You, I think for teams to truly be sustained. I mean, why did Rennick stop? See, at some point he looked at it no different than myself. If I didn't run this paintball team, I'd have a Lamborghini and possibly a Ferrari in front of my house. At some it's point. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. Cool. I'm, I'm, my 16-year-old's super happy I didn't pick up the Rari or the Lambo. 
but uh, that's you've got to be able to move product. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you right now, for Aftermath, our paint deal is wrapped up in being able to move product. I run the WCBL. It is the largest regional league there is. We sell more paint than any other regional league. We also charge less than any other regional league. You want to grow paintball? Don't price it out of existence. Yeah. Right? Like, same reason we don't pull up to the field every weekend in a Lambo to go to practice because we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. But because we sell all this paint, we now get a kickback on paint because, you know, we sell truck two truckloads of paint a couple times a year yeah. and we now get a kickback off of it or X Factor. They have their field and their store down there. Dal- AC Dallas, AC Diesel, Fit, whatever you want to call them, they have mm-hmm. big fields. If you have big business attached to you, Corey Field, Thunder, he sells a lot of guns for MSRP, right? He's not like backdoor. Yeah flipping guns for 800 bucks or something like that. He's legit flipping it and he does well and he does well for a sponsor. So you have to be able to move product. Yeah. So I think we're also seeing, I don't know about where you're at. The brick and mortar stores are far and few between, unfortunately. So now you've got teams out there hustling. As long as you're not crashing the value of whatever the product is they're selling, they're just moving product. You know, you have to, you got to hustle. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is you have to one, you have to be an online store, but not only do you have to be an online store, but you ha- also have to review product, make content, do do all these things on top of that to even be who you are, you know, be the be the top dogs in the industry now because of, you know, how much people are, you know, not only just selling product, but also putting it out there for people and, and being that much more of an asset to uh, you know, to planet or to die or to whoever, because not you're not just selling it; you're also promoting it at the same time because of you're producing the content. Yeah, no, you have to you have to have value. You have to build value in yourself, and if you don't, yeah, there's just no. I don't think GI's looking at teams. Sort of dynasty is in a league of their own, right? They truly are. Like there are apparel cells, top to bottom. Dynasty is special. Short of them, I don't think anybody cares. No. HK doesn't care how cool or how many likes I have. If we can't translate that or GI or Falcon, again, this is, I'm not pro or for anybody. If you can't turn that into money, listen, sponsorship, let's just throw that word right out of the window. Let's just say you're a part-time employee for that company now. That's what your team now becomes. And if you can't move product or somehow benefit them, Somebody else will. Yeah. Don't you think it, you remember back? I mean, fuck, you were on Dynasty in the day. But can you remember just like maybe I'm not sure you remember, but just going up to like the JT booth and just grabbing lenses and just grabbing like all oh. this shit and being Todd like, and I talk about it all the time. Good we luck. Actually take back any lens that was scratched. Like if somebody took a lens and threw it in the trash, yeah. we would go take it out, take it back to JT when they were in Chula Vista after John Gregory sold it. And like we'd have piles of lenses yeah. and they were doing so much business back then. They were defective and they would give us all new lenses. I'm talking, oh my God, dude. And I said that to Todd recently. I was like, and you know, Todd's dad has tons of Todd's old stuff. Like you always see Todd on his Instagram putting pictures of like old jerseys, but we gave so much stuff back to get new stuff that we sold or, you know, for me, I just gave it to all the local kids. Mm-hmm. But I, I said that to Todd recently. I was like, we could have fucking retired if we did just held on to all that JT stuff, you know, like all that prototype yeah. stuff that they gave us to use and like stuff like that. We just never thought the end would come. But yeah, it was a whole different time, right? Like, 
I, I can't believe the mar- I can't believe the market now. Like just how I mean, look at Hormesis, right? Look at Horm- like they're Oliver and Ryan are or Oliver and uh, Alex wow. are selling what $100 headbands, $120 headbands and then people are reselling them and people are buying them for hundreds of dollars for a headband. And not to say well, that it's not worth it, but it, at the same time, it's a headband. And, and then people are gobbling up all these old goggles and just like all this stuff to wear back in the day where I was like, oh, perfect example. The fucking uh, sandanas, right? Or it's oh. like that you that you bought for $20 on the wall of 50 that were just there, you know. Yeah. And and it's like now people are paying thousands of dollars for them. I think, oh, what is I, it just it, it it's insane to me just what people are you well, know, the, willing... because the sport as a whole has shrunk so much right like it really has like the good days of you know the 05 2000 to 05 and forward mm-hmm. those days i just i don't think we ever see that again right like yeah the huntington beach the that level of money is long gone in the sport but yeah it was uh you know i remember when we were on shock and billy saransky came out and yelled at everybody because they'd given us 50 Five zero PMI tanks. They were the red one, the five thousand PSI tanks, and then we were out of tanks because the guys kept taking them without the regs removed uh, midway. They'd take them out of the bag, you go home, and lock, you call Rennick and say, "I lost a tank," and they're like, "Well, we got forty more, thirty more, twenty more. We have no more left because guys just kept losing." 50 I don't know balls. how they kept track of anything back then. Inventory at events or anything. I don't know how they kept track. Every of pro anything. team was in there, just yeah, just taking everything they, and anything. What's crazy is guys actually guys got more guns themselves than whole teams are getting now. Well, wow. like I don't I don't think anybody's getting a hundred guns anymore. Like there used to be a hundred hundred and fifty gun deals for teams. I don't think anybody's getting more than fifty, and that's what happens when the millionaire club rolled in hmm. and they get offered fifty guns, but they also get offered to buy guns at five or six hundred dollars a piece, manufacturer cost or whatever it is. And then when your top teams are taking so few guns. And they come to guys like us, and they're like, well, you'll give you about two guns a player and a mm-hmm. couple extra to sell. And if you want to sell some, we'll give you some extra free guns. That's the deal that everybody's getting now. But yeah. Yeah. It's probably better. But I mean, look at who did that, right? JT did it. Went bankrupt. <laughs> Smart parts. Bankrupt. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of companies, Kingman. I mean, these companies are still around, but the, the form that went over the top on it, not around anymore. So yeah. probably better. But those days are long, long gone. I think it's great, though, that we were able to see that. Um, you know, you were a little bit earlier generation than myself. But it's cool that we were able to see kind of just the different incarnations of the game of, you know, through 10-man into 7-man into X-Ball and into what it is now. And I feel like it's been this. Uh, it's been this for, I mean, do you see any kind of major change like we saw in the past with, with paintball, with the format or anything? Or do you, or do you see this kind of format just riding out? I think it's going to be tough. I think the 10 man thing makes sense, right? Because there's a lot of guys from before our time periods that now are 50 years old and have a ton of money and can afford to play paintball. Yeah. So we need to cater to them. And I think the 10, 10 man thing just makes sense mm-hmm. because it is fun paintball. If anybody hasn't played 10 man, Go play one 10-man event this year. You're going to have a ton of fun playing paintball. If I ever come back, I'll never play X-Ball. It will be 10-man <laughs> with my son. Or yeah. go play with the Dynasty guys like they've offered me to do. But I think it's going to be hard. And, you know, I talk to other promoters, and they talk about, like, 7-man. Like, I know a promoter that wants to do 7-man so bad he's going to do one in Denver, he told me, around mm-hmm. by Vegas, which wasn't going to work with me. But 
even that, like, it's such a departure from this five man. Like, this shit is like rage in the cage on steroids. Everybody's an addict to yeah. the five man base format. So, do I think it's gonna? I I don't because once everybody started playing this, and even if as a promoter, I can show you why. Like ten man, I did a ten man last year. I think we had nine or ten prelim games. Yeah, still teams didn't shoot more than twenty four cases of paint in ten games. So your cost per player is way down on it. But even if I can break down the numbers and I can run a 10 man at any podunk field, right. That's not going to hit me over the head. Yeah. It, still people are going to be like, yeah, 10 man. It's fun. It's way cheaper. X ball. It's super aggressive. It's a grind. It's going to wear me down and it's three times more money. Yeah. I'm taking that X ball. Like <laughs> I just, I don't see that change. I really don't see it changing, man. You know, maybe in Tom Cole, like I've sat in on meetings with them and Tom, even though I'm no longer an owner and I'm not really part of that side of the fence, mm -hmm. we do have talks. And I mean, Tom's got really good data on why paintball was better in the 10 man days. The cost, cost per player, everything like that. Good luck, man. The problem with paintball from a promotion standpoint is even if you're selling people $20 bills for $5, you have the greatest deal on earth. Every player, like when Lane ran the PSP and now Tom with them, Will this shit talk you into the ground? That is the like every time they drop the rate of fire, 15 to 13, 3, 13, 3 to 12, 5, 12, right. 5 to 10, 5. That was the worst fucking idea I've ever heard. You're a fucking idiot. What you didn't realize is Rob Stonger was back in South Carolina shooting guns at paintball, you know, one of his fields that he had out there at 10 and a half, at 12 and a half, at 13 and a half. And they were testing this stuff yeah. to see, yeah, 10 and a half, you can move more. You know, and I know it. 15 balls a second. Good luck making it to the snake against me. <laughs> I'm going to hit you five feet out. And I tried it. You. Yeah. It's just, and they knew, but the players, players are so resistant to change in the sport. It's tough, you know, even mm -hmm. for myself, I, we have good ideas out here with WC. And I always tell people like, man, we on a big boat. It's a big, 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 big boat, cruise boat. For us to turn this thing around, we got to start shifting a couple degrees thousands of miles away and we're going to end up in a different position but if we try to turn this thing around overnight it ain't gonna work you don't turn ships like that around you take them out and it takes days to do a full circle and come back in the other direction oh yeah and in paintball it's slow incremental change because if you do too much change people just you know you are fucking crazy carl you can't do that you know even seven man seven man towards the end which was not the same seven man we really played in but even that had morphed into kind of an X-Ball where you're playing multiple points against a team and mm -hmm. a set. You're playing best of. It's the same thing, right? So I think this is going to be very hard for us to get away from this. Yeah. I I keep trying to think of like what – because paintball did. It was like what, every two or three years there for – I would say every two. I felt like something was changing. A rule was changing. Uh, yeah. a, a, a rate of fire was changing. Everything was kind of – like they were still trying to find their feet and i feel like this style what was it 15 they had the w in the middle yeah ever since then i feel like it's been this uh and we've added what's your take on the on the bunker additions and and the size of the field uh now with those bunker additions what do you think me personally i like it i know before we had the w and we had the a in the center of the field i would mm -hmm. sit at my wc's at the ass end of the field camp pendleton i remember sitting there one time looking at it and you're this like man i count like 13 different like windows lanes into different bunkers on this field yeah 
But the seven man days, you know, you saw Rich Telford coming to bunker a dude or yourself or Nikki Cuba. But when they got under that car wash, when they got under that brick and you couldn't see him, they got under the tripwire, as I call it. And you know they're coming to get somebody. It's Shark Week, right? You might see a little mm-hmm. shark fin bounce up, but they're coming. But they could get multiple people. You know, yeah. they could come and go down the highway and get, you could hop the highway, shoot this dude, crack that dude, get two or three piece. So on a graph, you had larger swings of variation with how it was before the W. Even with the W, you just have a lot of body for body trades. Now that we have like the brick and the wings and stuff like that, I think it breaks it up a lot more. Yeah. Like we look at these fields and, you know, they're also doing a good job of not putting a tall can or stand up in the corners where you can overlord and lock a field down. There's, you know, lately there's been a corner, a side of the field that doesn't have a corner anymore. So that stops the slow. Cause I mean, I think any sport, right? NFL, we want higher scoring games in the NFL. Baseball wants more score. Hockey wants more score. Scoring is a good thing in sports because if you really think you're going to get fans, which I don't think you're really going to get in paintball, but that's another story. But you, the more scoring you have, nobody wants to go to a one nothing baseball game. Yeah, miss me with that. I want to see home run after home. I want to see dudes yacked out on juice, just blasting <laughs> balls over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think when it comes to this, I think it it makes for fun paintball. You know, guys, Ryan Greenspan, Fedorov, Mouse, these guys that are great players do great shit on these fields. Yeah. So I think it's good. I just sitting there dumping, you know, 12 pods through a lane. I ain't playing paintball that we go out with a handful of Titmans with the kids. We ain't going to be playing that style of paintball. No, so no if thing. we're not doing that there, why are we doing that here? And it's just mm-hmm. a waste of time and money. Yeah. These pro teams get free paint, but who gives a shit about them? Let's talk about that Titman effect Jersey into the background there. And those guys have to shoot 120 <laughs> cases and pay for it at 35 bucks a case yeah they just can't afford 4500 paint tabs mm-hmm. i it's mean that's too much money that's how i based my play around was when i first started playing i couldn't afford a full case so i'd, I'd buy a bag or i buy two and i would just work relentlessly on my accuracy so that way i didn't have to do i i had the i did the the minimum amount of the most work that i needed to do yeah. and which was i hit the target or get real close yeah. And I was able to move around like I could. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just I, I would like to see more um, maybe those those back not, – because it's not ne- necessarily like a back center because you have usually a tower or a temple that are pretty damn close in the back. I'd like to see those maybe moved out or further away or make those a little bit less accessible to those guys to turn and shoot. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm also not a, a giant fan of, like, the connected snakes. Right, but that that also makes for great paintball to watch and everything. But as a player, I like I like working for every single spot and uh, and having to having to jump gaps and shoot a guy in and jump a gap and do all this shit. But you know, I guess that's not why I'm been building fields. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, there's two sides of it. When I run my tournaments, I don't like big connected snakes because yeah. I don't like you know another one. We have a culture of players that just cheat like the. And then they cheat, and it's just totally fine. Shit happens. We've yeah. all cheated at some point. Mm-hmm. But then they'll turn around and look at you with the most straight face and be like, what, what was that penalty for? And I'm like, yeah. bro, you got hit 32 clicks back that way. You still ran all the way down, shot homie, shot the other homie, and that dude. Yeah, that's why they called multiple reds on you, and you lost the point. And they're mm-hmm. looking at you like stone-faced. 
I had somebody question one of my WCPL referees this last two weeks ago. And the guy that they questioned is a friend of mine, but you know, I'm going to take everything. I've got to be impartial to it. Mm -hmm. And somebody put together a video clip of the team that questioned him getting caught cheating on his field and sent it to me. And it dude, I mean, guys is shot in the hand, rolling out, rolling out. And the guy runs in, throws a minor on him. And it's like, I'm texting my ref and I'm like, you should have thrown fucking two majors on that shit. You know what I mean? Like throw both your but, flags. But it's literally it's it's a tough culture of players that don't have a ton of honor to them. Like yeah. yourself or myself. You know, like Ron Kilborn back there. He would cheat you and literally be like, Yeah, Carl, I cheated you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fucker. You know what I mean? This dude just admitted it. But yeah. I'd much rather take that than guys out there giving the Polish salute. Like, what happened when you're like Oh, you got shot in the face, rubbed yeah, it in the, the bunker. Poli- Wait, I'm Polish. So what's the Polish salute? I don't even know what the Polish what? salute is. What, what What did the ref call me for? I don't even, oh, I don't even understand. Yeah. And the guy's literally <laughs> got shot in the face, shoved his face into the bunker and was doing this. And you're watching it like, and then he comes in and tells his coach, I have no clue what they called me for. And you're like, oh, they're no. fucker. You know so damn funny. well what they called you for. <laughs> There was a game, I remember, there was a game, it was in finals, uh, 2007, I was playing for Avalanche, we were playing against Dynasty, uh, in the dark, by the way, and uh, I remember I got into a spot, shot Davey Williams right in the fucking knuckles, right in the hand, and then I remember, I think it was Nicky Truder who was uh, commentating at the time, saw the hit, saw everything go down, and then saw, (laughs) saw Davey have the ref wipe him off. And then they go on and, and win. And it was just this whole thing. And I remember after the game, I go up to Davey and I go, I shot you in the hand. And he goes, yes, you did. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's all it was. I was like, fuck me, man. Yeah, but these days, nobody will even own it. They'll be like, nah, man, I didn't cheat you, bro. And you're like, yeah. still paint dripping off your left hand from wiping it, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, guys, I know guys that now, or at least for me, like even if I went to a corner – and I got bounced, I'll finish the point out, but after the point, I'll at least, I'll be like, hey, just so you guys know, you guys bounced me going to the corner. Like, just so that, because feedback is great. It's not that you're giving them, it's not that you're giving them an advantage or anything, but even something as small as that feedback, I feel like for myself, if somebody tells me that, like, if I'm having a point where I'm like, dude, I am, I'm on that fucking lane. I know right. that I'm on that lane. And they come over and they say, hey, you actually bounced me. I'm like, okay, fucking sweet. Like, I, I know that it's at least I'm there. Um, oh. But people don't even fucking say that. They just, they just roll with it. Like, like it's or you practice, watch them man. taking the bounces. You're running drills and you're like, yo, yeah. did that hit you, girl? Like, if it hit you, just put your hand up. Yo, yeah. man, did I hit you? Uh, no, I don't think so. And everybody on the sidelines like, dude, you cracked him in the goggles and it bounced. And Every you're time. like, all right, that's all I needed to hear because come tournament time, that five-star ain't going to bounce. Yeah. And it's funny because like last year, we had practiced teams back here, other pro teams, and they'd be using great paint. And we'd be bouncing the brakes off of them. And they'd, and our guys would be a little frustrated. I'm like, dude, yeah. it doesn't get better for them. There was no refs, five-star paint, and we were bouncing them. Wait mm-hmm. till the tournament comes. And every time... We always finish better than they did because we got something out of practice. You don't get anything out of running the snake, t- catching five hot ones that all <laughs> bounced and sliding in there thinking you're yeah. about to handle business. Oh, and I would I would much rather have it bounce than not be able to shoot straight. There's nothing oh. – for me, there's nothing more frustrating than, like, ha- having squirrely balls or even, even brittle shit. Um, but if I'm at least shooting straight and it's bouncing, I'm okay with that. 
Like, I'll make it yeah. fucking work. I'll figure out a way to shoot you. But uh, I agree. But the squirrely shit. Were you guys having paint troubles at this last event? I feel like a lot of people were. With the, no, we at the at the Florida event. No, we RGI paint. Like we had just switched over to them. We knock on wood. I mean, Dynasty. You watch the match with us in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. We were able to shoot Archie on the break going snake side multiple multiple points in a row. Yeah. We watched Thunder played us in the prelims. First point, we're dropped three. We shot three of us on the break, and we weren't like running to the snake or running. It, it was like five feet out of the bunker. Dudes were center punched. Oh, geez. The paint shot great. I mean, WC, we had multiple trucks of uh, evil come in, pink fill evil ball, not the ultra, ultra evil, yeah. but they're pink fill evil. I mean, everybody out here on this side will say it's probably the best paint we've shot at a WCPL in years. Anything that was a solid hit, no doubt about it broke. Nice. And it was super bright, like crazy bright. Maybe so. just some of the games that I was watching, I'd, I'd see guys squeegeeing every now and then or just seeing them fucking yeah. be squirrely. Well, I mean, Florida got weird, right? Like, we show up there and it's hot. Oh, it's yeah. The, normal the Florida, weather. right? Like, gross Florida. And then a storm blew through, and on Sunday, it after that storm went through, it dropped, like, 20 degrees. It really did, right? Because like, it's still early in the year where it can do shit like that. Yeah. But the humidity, like, after the rain was gone, you felt the cold air come right in behind it. And it took a big drop so i think a lot of the paint people were using early that was working well when it dropped 20 degrees you can't get the truck hot that quick right it takes 24 hours for the center of those skids to warm all the way up so i think some teams and other paint companies because you have three right gihk Mm -hmm. and prochar other people were having problems but knock on wood our guys loved it yeah i mean gi i know from their point moved multiple trucks to that event Throughout the every day, a new truck came in because yeah. they were selling so much paint, and it was knock on wood was really good paint. Awesome. Well, hey, yeah. Mike, dude, I, I appreciate your time, brother. I really yeah. I had a great time talking with you, and it's I, I feel like we haven't had a conversation like this in uh, probably ever. Totally. Yeah, man, if you ever <laughs> got more time in the future, let me know, brother. Yeah, dude, I appreciate it. And I want to say, you know, you're doing a great job with Aftermath. Obviously, I don't need to tell you these things. You know that. But I think uh, I think your coaching style and everything of – of the way you go about it and the, how you look at the sport, I think is uh, is a must uh, for players to come out the way they do, and and for the caliber of players that have come out under your camp. I have a lot of respect for you and 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 what you've done for the sport and the amount of talent that you helped cultivate um, is just absolutely amazing. It was it was a pleasure playing against you and the guys that you built. Totally, man. I appreciate it, dude. I mean, I you know, I just I I think I'm portrayed one way in a lot of these videos, and you know, the videos are cut because people want to see the action and the passion and all that. But I think one thing that's really missed is even when guys are let go from our team or whatever, I'm still there reaching out to them. I've had guys, ex aftermath dudes that are, you know, on their way to rehab come to my house. I've been to countless funerals. You know what I mean? I got dudes yeah. ashes sitting right over there that played on my team. Like uh, to me, you know, this aftermath thing is more than just the game. There's so much more to it. There's the human side to it. And yeah. I definitely get pretty excited sometimes, but at the end of the day, I'm just a big kid playing paintball, and I love the game. So, but I appreciate it, Carl. It means the world, man. You're a legend, dude. Like you, definitely. You know, your name in a lot of team talks that we had in meetings we would have at events. Your name was front and center, and it's not really what you say about yourself; it's what others say about you when you're not around. And your name constantly was in our mouths on Dynasty. Those jerseys you got hanging on that wall. Like those, we we knew about you and we kept eyes on you because, you know, 
you were a terror on the field to deal with. So I'm glad you're still out here doing it and, you know, keeping this thing going out there. I appreciate it, man. And maybe maybe sometime soon I'll be uh, be able to see you back at the field again. Yeah, it'd be cool to see you out there, man. Definitely. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll see you soon. And thank you again. Definitely, brother. You have a good night, man. Take care, bud. Peace. Thank you, Mike. Much appreciated, man. It was great sitting down and talking with you and having uh, the conversations from top to bottom, just about anything and everything, and and really getting your mindset and your take on things. It's really cool. I'm glad we got to sit down, brother. Um, and good luck. Good luck. Um, even though you don't, dude, you don't even need it because all, dude, everybody, you're a killer, and and everybody underneath you are are killers, and it's just gonna be. It's going to be insane. Um, thank you also to our sponsors, H2K Paintball. Make sure you uh, go over there and check it out, h2kpaintball.com. You can see everything we have going on from our small batch custom creations uh, to the design galleries to our store and really kind of get a feeling of uh, what we're about and what we're trying to do. And uh, if you like it, you like it. And I appreciate it. I appreciate all the support. And uh, give me some feedback. Let me know what you want. What you like to see. And we're just going to keep cranking stuff out. And um, like I said, I'm trying to make cool shit. So uh, that is up and running now. And also, big, huge, major shout out to Good Game Sports Park being built as we speak in the St. Louis area. Like I said, that's that's on track to be out and ready at the summer of 2022. That's this year. This year. It's going to be one of the best paintball fields in the States. I'm telling you. This is how this is how he works, man. He gets it done and he goes all out. Like there's going to be 40 acres. It's going to be esports and paintball together. Oh, and there's going to be this this indoor gaming area. It's it's going to be it's going to be crazy. Um, like I said, he's going to have 10 man fields. He's going to have X ball fields. He's going to have mechanical fields uh, built for five, seven, and 10 man. Um, make sure you look for his column with iconic paintball on how to do this, how to build a field, how to create a a a business uh, in paintball regarding a field and make sure you give them a follow and a shout out at gg sports park for facebook and instagram and uh and check it out watch the journey and thank you to everybody out there listening much appreciated thank you for the support um make sure you head over to the playing on podcast too and uh, playing on podcast.com and uh, you can check out everything there and yeah Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys here again soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.